0: N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash W-T-F. Lock the gates! <laughs> All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Still going strong. What is it, 12 years in? a long time i just know that i'm doing comedy at the comedy store and you have to have a proof of vax to get in they're going to open up full tilt and i think that makes it a little better i'm sure some people are lying or showing bootleg counterfeit credentials counterfeit vax credentials And I know that there are some people out there that want to take this as an affront, as a vaccination passport or as a a, some sort of initiative to get people who don't want to be vaxxed, vaxxed. It is not. All it means is that if you're not vaxxed, you can't get in. It's no judgment. Do what you want. But you can't go to this particular comedy show. The world is your oyster, unvaxxers, unvaxxed. But you can't go to a few things for now. And you're going to whine about it? Is there any end to the whining? Is there any end to the grievance? But uh, so, yeah, it's kind of an interesting new world. But as I said to you before, I don't... it, It feels fine to me. It does not feel strange. I'm excited. I'm excited to be going out into the world. The only thing I'm sad about is that Lynn's not here to go out in the world, that she didn't make it through this. And yesterday was the anniversary of her passing, and it was difficult. I chose to um, go through stuff, look at stuff, organize stuff. There's still a lot of her things here that are out. Uh, Some things I will leave out. Some things I will enshrine them somewhere, personal, someplace private, someplace I know of, someplace in my house doesn't all have to be out. I think that room where she was sick in does not have to remain a a, a shrine to her passing necessarily. But again, it was, a, it was a day of reflection and a day I am trying to take that saying. I think it's a Jewish saying. Uh, May her memory be a blessing. I think that was been most helpful to me. That and there's nothing unusual about tragedy or people dying in this life nothing unusual about it that and i i am not the victim of this she was those three things over the last year in the support of people friends and uh people i don't know those three things may her memory be a blessing tragedy is not unusual and uh i am not the victim and then ultimately meditation the crying, the feeling your way through it. And also the realization that there are so many people that knew her so much better, so much longer, had deeper sort of relationships and reliances and and, um, experiences with her, family, friends. I think the hardest thing about the situation that uh, we were in was that we were really just starting out. So it's about grieving possibilities, grieving a life that didn't happen. That sort of amplifies the tragedy element. But again, tragedy happens all the time, every day. It's human, it's heartbreaking, but her memory is a blessing. And um, I look at her shirts and I touch her jacket and i miss her and i'm trying to uh, stay open and do the work i didn't mention but today eric banna is on the show eric banna the actor you know him from munich black hawk down funny people ang lee's hulk but a lot of you might not know that he started out in stand up and sketch comedy and we talk about and we talk about all that and about his new movie the dry which is already a big hit in Australia, and it comes out here in the U.S. this week. It's a it's a good movie. Also, yesterday marked the day that uh, Brendan and myself, Brendan McDonald and me, Mark Marin, received the Governor Award at the first uh, annual, the first installment, the first actual Ambi Awards for podcasting. This is a a a, a real. Award with a real governing body. It's not just some sort of radio consultant's idea of how to uh, grift people into buying podcast uh, things and thinking it's some sort of entrepreneurial adventure. This is a legitimate industry-driven award, the first, and we were given the big one. We were given the one that uh, means that uh, we, were, we had an impact. We were there at the inception of modern podcasting i not i will not say we were the original podcasters i always am told that there were many before that some broadcasted just to the next room but uh, nonetheless in this sort of new wave and uh, the creation of the industry around us uh, we were there and we were uh, an impactful and influential force and i'll take it and the and the award has a little weight to it man it's kind of a, a beautiful thing. It took this f- for me to get a prize. It took a, a, an award to, had to be created in the medium that I excelled in over the last decade or and, er, and change for me to get an award. Again, I'll take it. We'll take it. It's a weighty thing. It's a. It looks like a. It's like a high end trophy with a gold statuette and the, uh, its arms, their arms are raised up and they're holding up a microphone, almost like a torch. And, uh, but you know, it's, it's all in, uh, it's muted. It's soft. It's not defined. It's almost like an Oscar and there's, uh, some headphones. It's wearing some cans, but, uh, it's exciting. And we received that yesterday. Yesterday was a big day, a lot of sadness and a lot of, uh, joy and a lot of uh, gratitude. But underneath all that, the um, empty propulsion of fucking existence. There you go. So, look, let's just get in this. There's no reason to go on and on. Eric Bannon was a uh, pleasure to talk to the guy. The new mystery film is called The Dry, it opens in US theaters and on video on demand this Friday, May 21st. I spoke to him from Australia. And uh, he's got that accent, that lovely Australian accent. This is me talking to Eric Bang.
1: is that your house are you are you in your house i'm at home i'm at home this morning yeah yeah it's morning there what time is it it's nine o'clock uh friday morning and i'm in in melbourne
0: so you've been up and at it. You're 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 coffeeed. You're ready to go. Coffeeed,
1: coffeeed. Very nice breakfast. Very nice home cooked breakfast. Excellent home home brewed coffee. Ready to go.
0: Wow. So yeah. a lot of energy in the description of that breakfast. I'm gonna to have to need to know. I kind of need to know what that means now. What do you, what what is the breakfast?
1: A uh, really excellent quality sourdough, which you'll be pleased to know I didn't bake myself.
0: Oh, so you weren't one of those people during lockdown. You didn't master the uh, yeast breads
1: i feel like for every uh (laughs) yeast bread man out there posting there had to be an eric banner doing absolutely sweet f all um in regards to bacon bread (laughs) i gotta be i gotta be honest
0: with you towards the end here you know i i did bake a couple of uh quick breads no yeast involved just a couple of irish soda breads but i did it i couldn't get out of lockdown without baking a fucking bread and i'm not ashamed of it my, the only reason I wouldn't do more of it is because uh, I'll eat them, and then it, it doesn't stop. Then it's like nine breads, and I say I'm just perfecting it. I've got double chins. It's not. I can't do it.
1: No, I'm more than happy to hand that over to the baker. So it was. It was nice bit of sourdough toast. Going to sound like a like a real tosser here, but uh, avocado, some some eggs, and a and a really sensational strong latte. Good that I uh, knocked up. So. um. Yeah, that's that's the start of my day here. Good work. Good work. I, I need to know more about the word tosser. What does it mean? A tosser, now? you know, tosser, wanker. Yeah, I get, um, it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's just the minute you throw avocado into a sentence in, in 2020, 2021, it yeah. puts you into a category. And, and you know, maybe I'm in that category.
0: You got a lot of dudes that are going to be like, Oh, look at it, The fucking toaster <laughs> avocado. Uh, what is that guy? But no, that's not true. Most of these guys, most of these sort of enlightened meatheads, you know, these bros and, uh, you know, uh, and jocks are now like completely keto diet. They're like, they're like anorexic women. Most of them.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I everything i eat everything i'm i'm not that person at all i just i just like the ritual of breakfast it's my favorite meal of the day yeah and it's what makes me really shitty when i'm working on a film that i usually don't have time to do my breakfast ritual and i have to face humans first thing in the morning yeah it's my biggest struggle on a on a shoot um so when i'm at home that's that's my indulgence i like the slow start to the day with a really nice breakfast and coffee
0: i when I during lockdown man i watched uh for some reason I watched uh, Munich for the third time. And uh Jesus, man,
1: you were fucking great in that movie. Oh, thanks, man. It was uh it was it was quite the experience to to uh, to make. You're um, not Jewish, right? I, I'm not. No, I'm, I'm half German, half Croatian, born here in Australia. So you're so... really not Jewish. <laughs> 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 uh, uh, no, I'm. am re- really. I'm really not. But you know, the funny thing is that when you're when you're a kid and you don't really know a lot, yeah. you know the 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 sound of German relatives and friends, you know, doesn't sound very different to me to to, to Jewish people. So. I, it took me a while to work out there was actually a difference between the two when I was when I was growing up and that it wasn't all just one and the same.
0: Right. A lot of German Jews, you know, a lot of German Jews. It's all German, Polish, Russian. They, that's where all the Ashkenazis come from. But when you did that movie, I mean, to be involved, like it's such a heavy – I it, I think it's one of Spielberg's best movies.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, look, the subject matter was insanely appealing to me. I'd read the book, luckily, Um And it just, I mean, it just like ticked every box of what I love in a film. It was 70s. It was a thriller. It was an incredible subject matter. It was a true story. It was, you know, Spielberg at the top of his game in terms of visual styling and editing and score and everything. And, And then suddenly you get asked to be a part of it. I just, like every single day, I would just pinch myself. I would just turn up to work and look around and see all the extras, you know, dressed in their 70s gear with sideburns and Nice little cars. And, and it looks good. I like, mean, I'm, I'm in heaven.
0: Yeah. Sometimes there's a, you know, the 70s, you know, you are look good. The 60s look terrible. I mean, like no actor can transcend those pants. It's just once you got the hair in the 60s, it gets hard. But the 70s, they look good.
1: Well, you know, there's another thing that kind of works against you these days, which we didn't have. I mean, on Munich, we were still shooting 35 millimeter film. Yeah. So there's another thing that works against you now is that, you know, the digital camera is so crisp. Yeah. It is so crisp. And so it's it's kind of like uh – we, our, our memory says that 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 image should be slightly crumpled and faded. That's true. We're not used to seeing images from the '60s that are pristine. Right. So there's always this kind of juxtaposition that's going on in our in our mind. Our visual reference is a bit confused. Right. It's all, just too it, crisp.
0: All images of the '60s are done relative to the technology and film that they had, even still photographs. All of it was uh, yeah. uh, of it. the color was a little jacked up. There was a yeah. It was a little hazy. Everybody was high, so you kind of felt high looking at it. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's yeah. True, so man. then when someone does a does a does a film about the sixties in two thousand and twenty, and it's shot, you know, with a with with a almost IMAX sensor kind of sure. like, kind of camera, sure, and 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 you don't try and degrade that image, right? But no, but in Munich, but what did you do? How did you get Jewish to
0: do that? Did you, was that guy a real guy?
1: <laughs> yeah. He was based on, based on a real person who I, who I may or may not have had a chance to meet with. Um I had a really long time to prepare Mark. So, um, even in the first instance, I had a really good amount of prep time, but the film went into turnaround because Stephen was working on the script, and our initial shooting window pushed to the following year. Oh wow! So I okay. went off and did 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 another movie, and I, I like I had Avner in the back of my head for like two years before we, we oh, rolled okay. film. Okay, a- and I love that. I, I think the longer you have for a character to just kind of live and gestate in the back of your mind is is um is really worthwhile it helps helps with accent preparation it helps with research and um it was just uh, a lot of, a lot of time well what do you do with the guy
0: when you got him in the back of your head like that as an actor you're like all right now okay i just i i was just given another year to work on this so you kind of you're already going at it so do you take like an hour a day a couple hours a week to kind of program yourself to be that guy or feel how that guy feels or look at things the way that guy looks at things?
1: No, I feel like it's automatic. The the minute I, I decide to take on a film or a character, it's like a percentage of my brain is immediately taken over by that person 24 seven. There's no switching on or off. There's no like today I will devote an hour to Avner. I mean, you might do that in terms of accent preparation and reading materials and stuff, but the 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 rest of the world from that point forward until you finish the film is slightly skewered through the lens of that person for okay, the whole but time. What movie did you go shoot, Troy? Uh, so the ter- when that went into turn, uh, no, I went and filmed a movie called Lucky You with with uh, Curtis Hanson and um, Drew Barrymore and Robert Duvall, which was a poker movie, which three people saw, including my mum and dad. Yeah. Um. But um. You know, so in that case, I guess you've got two people and yourself in your brain. But that's the thing I love about acting, though. I mean, it's you know, and sometimes it takes a long time to shake afterwards as well, and that's okay. You're still kind of looking at the world through 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 their lens. Um, but I enjoy I enjoy siphoning off, you know, part of my brain to that. There's, yeah. there's not a lot of room up there, so I need to give as much as I can to the to the character.
0: That's interesting that it takes a while to shake it because I saw. I saw Al Pacino do uh, American Buffalo in Boston in the sort of like probably the mid '80s, and I'm pretty sure he was playing Tony Montana when I saw him do American Buffalo. I'm pretty Uh, sure that he was he was Scarface, but uh, I felt there were hints of Cuban, like it was still in him. You know? (laughs) Did you find yourself? It's
1: probably true.
0: No, no, for sure. I get it. You know, like especially a guy like that when you're operating at a certain decibel level. Uh, you know, it was like that scent of a woman thing, like hoo-ha, you know, I, I think it took him years to, you know, but he can still do it. I mean, you're you very capable of it too, but I could see how once you get into the groove of somebody, especially a, a powerful character, you know, how do you not, how do you not get stuck with it for a while?
1: Yeah. And I think also with, you know, your reference with Pacino, maybe what happens is the character ends up being a little bit closer to you than you realize and so therein lies the the similarity that's uh, hard to shake right you know right so whether it's with Avner whether it's the kind of Europeanness that I feel as a person that makes it easier for me to kind of like sink into his skin I don't know maybe that's something that's going on without me uh realizing but I do think sometimes you know maybe our characters are a bit similar to us in ways that that we're not not really aware of and and um you know that that's that's probably what you're noticing
0: right but you know i could see that in in your later work but i mean where did that when did you start noticing that you could because if you're going to if you think about these characters and they become part of you so quickly i mean that must have been something you did at a very young age where you were able to just sort of lose yourself in in becoming something else it, it must be some strange kind of a habit you had early on.
1: Yeah. One of my favorite things to do as a kid was in- impersonate other family members. And to me, the most thrilling part of an impersonation isn't the impersonation. It's trying to work out the dialogue for the impersonation. Right. Right. And so I, I just always have had this thrilling sensation when I can come up with Sentences on behalf of other people and I do it to my wife every single day every yeah. single day I still do it I'll be watching the news and someone will go to talk and I will I will say what that that prick's about to say yeah sure enough and it's this it's this thing of like trying to put yourself in their shoes and um if you know someone well enough, it's like anyone that can that impersonates their father or their mother. It's like, you know exactly what they're gonna say. I can write the script for my parents before they walk in the door for right. a Sunday lunch, right. what's gonna be discussed and what's gonna be said. I really, I really love, I love that, I love that puzzle. And that was something that was there as a kid. It wasn't something that I had to work on, something I really enjoyed. I enjoyed making people laugh. It's,
0: it's interesting, though, with parents, because I just noticed that with my parents. It's like, you're right. You do know exactly what they're going to say. And I don't know if that means that they're shallow or predictable or we just know them so well. But there is something I guess when you look at it that way, there is something actually empathetic in the act of doing an impression that you're sort of generating the dialogue for.
1: Yeah, I guess it's it it it's must be uh complimentary because it means you're you're you've paid attention to that person and and it was it was tricky for me when I back when I was doing sketch comedy because people would be like, "Oh, you know, are you going to do, do do you feel really mean when you're taking down a a, a figure from television?" I'm like, "Well, no, because it's like I'm not trying to ridicule them. I'm just trying to be them in a funny way, you know? Right. So um, that is, I think that is complimentary, you know? I mean, I guess it depends on how you use how you use the weapon. Well,
0: isn't that an old saying, you know, uh, in- imitation is the highest form of flattery or something like that? But w- did you, are you, how many brothers and sisters do you have?
1: I have one older brother who's three years older.
0: Does he uh, do anything in show
1: business? He's an accountant. Wow, uh, he does. He deals in finance, so no, nothing at all to do to do with the business. The opposite. He's a, he's a numbers man. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a six foot seven numbers man. You guys are huge. How tall are you? I'm six two, but I grew up thinking I was short because of
0: him. Because of him. But actually, six two. That's sort of uh, that's tall for a movie star. You know, usually they're about five four. You know, I think most of them are. <laughs> 5'4", <laughs> 5'3", five, five, you know, big heads. Good for you.
1: Yeah, the, the female co-stars love it when you're 6'2". They do
0: they, or they, they don't? They love
1: it. They do? They do. Yeah. They do. I think they do. Because yeah, they, they, they all want to look teeny tiny
0: right? right. Oh, that's yeah. right. And they don't have to look at, yeah. you know, Tom Cruise in platform <laughs> shoes. So when did you uh, start doing real entertainment? You didn't study it. No. So I started
1: in stand-up when I was 22. You t- really, so you were an actual stand-up? Yeah, I did stand-up for, it was over 10 years. Oh, my God. I don't know if I've ever seen any of the stand-up. Is there a lot of it no, available? it's... it's- it's pre-digital and pre-film. <laughs> Is that true? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, there's 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 very little. I mean, there's stuff from my sketch comedy show, but but not much. There's not much that exists out there. And you there. did stand-up so, yeah, for I did. ten years? Yeah, even after Chopper, I was still I was still touring as a stand-up.
0: Because I heard you were a stand-up. You know, I got sent home from Australia. Why? What'd you do? I just tanked. I bombed so bad they sent me home. I just had a bad time. It was like nineteen uh Maybe ninety one or ninety two, I think uh, the club was called the Last Laugh. That's
1: one of the places where I started. Yeah, in Carlton. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah. was the name wow. of that
0: brother and sister that ran the place? McKenna, Dave McKenna. Yes.
1: Oh, gosh, you got a good memory. Yes. Yeah, so that was one of the venues that I that I started out in. So I started as, around that time. I started around. Well, I tell you when I started because I re- I remember the Gulf War breaking out when I was in America. And then I came back from America and I started doing stand up. So I yeah, think so I it was started. Like 90. 91. Yeah, right. 91, 92.
0: Yeah, I, I just took the gig. You know, I would just moved to San Francisco and I was maybe a strong middle act, strong feature. But this guy saw me in New York. He's like, you know, why don't you come headline? And I'm like, and I knew when I said yes, it was a mistake. Because it was like, there'll be a week of previews, then three weeks, then we'll extend to fifth week. And I'd never traveled internationally for that long. And it just fucked my head up. And I just got there. And like, after the first week, it was such a struggle. And the, I went into that main room, the big room. And you know who it was? Big room. It was uh, it was Greg Fleet was hosting. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was like uh, this this... This, these two women who did, like, a musical thing, a burlesque thing with an accordion. One of them had an accordion, and and then, then there was a uh, an intermission, or no, then a guy came out and escaped from a straitjacket on a unicycle, and then an intermission, and then me. And I was like, by the time I watched all that shit, I'm like, I'm fucked. There's no fucking way. And, man, I tanked so hard, the guy came up to me, and the next day, he's like, maybe you ought to go home.
1: <laughs> That was a hard room because it was a big room and it had a really high ceiling.
0: Yeah. It was like a circus in there.
1: Yeah. 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 And if it makes you feel any better, I supported the amazing Jonathan there. Oh, yeah. And and that and that room really suited the amazing Jonathan. Like sure. His energy and his, his act. Um, but yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I know that room very well. And it was really broad and it had a super high ceiling, which we don't want as a stand-up. And isn't there
0: a little room upstairs that you could play to? There was, yeah. That there was, was
1: a place called La Joke. That was Le, good. La Joke upstairs. That was better because it was a lot more intimate. Tiny. Yeah, downstairs lo- felt like a cabaret room. Yeah. It was the fucking
0: worst, dude. Now, that was a long flight home, man. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, I'd I know, done that, I know I'd, that room. I did the Steve Visard show the night before, but he was out of town. And Russell Crowe was uh, was on the show when he had, ju- he had just done like Romper Stomper. He was he was promoting Romper Stomper, right? So wow. no one knew who that guy was. I didn't, and I'm freaking out because it looks like the Letterman Show. Only the desk is on the wrong side of the studio.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it looked a lot like the Letterman Show, and it sounded like the Letterman yeah. Show, right? Yeah,
0: yeah and yeah, I and yeah, I get out yeah. there, which we
1: didn't realize because we weren't getting the Letterman Show. It took wild. us a while to put two and two together.
0: But that didn't go well, and they took me there right after I landed. It was it was just. The whole thing I'm is like, sorry. hey, man, not your fault, but I'm glad we can uh, connect on the fact that that room was not easy.
1: It was it was not easy for for for, for a regular kind of act.
0: Well, who were you guys in uh, in terms of what drove you to stand up? Who were your friends over there? Did you know Fleet?
1: I didn't know Fleet well. I mean, I got to, I got to know Fleet and then, and then we did a little bit of TV stuff together. Um, Fleet was already well established when I started, oh, yeah. so uh, he was part of the old guard. He was part oh, yeah. of the established old, old guard when I when I got started. But I was I was more inspired by Americans um, because I wasn't you know we weren't being presented with Australian comedians in Australia. Stand up wasn't something that was overly respected, right? Um, so it was you know, Richard Pryor was my hero. Richard Pryor was was my absolute hero because I loved. I loved his acting, I loved his storytelling, I loved his is in his incorporating characters into his stand up. Yes. Like that to me was like the 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 ultimate, you know. He didn't tell jokes. A lot of heart. A lot of heart. So yeah. he was my hero. Um So were you doing impressions? Yeah, I was doing impressions. I, I similar I was I was I was y- using impressions in storytelling. Yeah. So I I was not a joke teller. I didn't encourage hecklers. I didn't try and get into banter. It was like five or ten minute stories. Five minute story. Five or ten minute story structure. Um,
0: that's harder because if that's t- if if you're not doing well with the five minutes and you're two and a half in, that's a long two and a half minutes coming.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's where the impressions are handy because any time you 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 break into a voice that sounds different to to your own, people are kind of paying attention. Yeah. Even yeah. if they're not laughing, they're paying attention. They're excited. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Were they celebrity uh, impressions within these uh, stories or just you know people you yeah, made sometimes. up? Sometimes. Yeah.
1: Sometimes or, or, or they'd be they'd be just a, a random idiot and everyone recognizes an idiot, right? Everyone recognizes that <laughs> character, even if they don't actually know who, who it is.
0: Everybody loves an idiot character. No, you're not gonna lose with the dum dum. So you but you never took any uh any acting or clowning lessons or anything? <laughs>
1: No, no. So 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 I started out in stand-up and then I and then I auditioned for a sketch comedy program which was very similar to Saturday Night Live called Full Frontal. Right. And 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 that was my big break. And then it, so it was through sketch comedy, many years of sketch comedy, that I kind of like during that process figured, well, what's the difference between this and straight acting? I, I didn't see like there was like a four-year university course to decode it. I was like there's not a lot of difference. Yeah, yeah. Just going to have a go at this.
0: No, I think I th- I think that's true. I think that like uh yeah the hands on you know why fuck your head up with people who think they know things that are probably bitter anyways when you're actually doing the hands on experience work. So were you doing a lot of improv or it was all written sketch?
1: A lot of it was was written. I mean, we'd improv when we were working in the writer's room and I had oh, okay. a couple of guys that I loved working with and I loved writing myself for my own characters. Um, but um, I just loved it. And it was just, it was a time of my life. It was the most fun. It was the most exhilarating. We'd, we'd work Monday to Friday. We'd record live in front of an audience on a Friday night and that would go to air the following Thursday. So the turnaround was pretty quick. You know, you were able to do stuff that was really current. Um, it was thrilling. It was absolutely thrilling. And I, I was done, man. I was like, this is the end of the road. Like, uh, this is the as far as I thought, I'd further than I thought I'd ever get. I was happy. How many seasons did you do? I did four seasons of Full Frontal. And then I did another year of my own sketch comedy show. So I did five years of sketch.
0: So you actually had your own sketch comedy show on Australian television for a year? Yeah. So you're sort of like a... A a national star.
1: By the time I I, by the time I left uh the show, yeah, I was I was pretty well known in Australia. The, The show was a really high rating. Sketch comedy was was what we did really well. We did sketch comedy very well, and we did not do sitcoms well. So sketch comedy was kind of like a very comfortable place for Australian audience and for Australian production, and it was at a really high level for a lot of years. And in fact, our the end of our show was like the beginning of the end of tv sketch comedy here reality tv started and a lot of that those production dollars stopped being funneled into sketch comedy programs and and guys like myself no longer got a break in that in that space
0: oh my god pushed out by the horrible reality shows no intentional funny just tragic people being funny not on purpose.
1: Yeah, and I think they figured that live TV was just cheaper, so you had, you know, live sporting programs, more live variety, and it was just it was just way cheaper than this sketch comedy stuff was expensive for them. You know, we had a great art department, we went to a lot of trouble. Our, our sets were fantastic. If we were if we were ripping off a movie, that the set on a Tuesday would be would be fantastic. It would be to a really high standard. So the show had really great production Production standards
0: and is that like is that like the is it the same structure as like the BBC that the you know the state pays for some of it is it like that or is it independent?
1: Uh, no, so the, this, the the network that I was working for at the time was was a fully commercial network. Oh, okay. yeah so well, it, it wasn't state funded at that at that stage. Yeah,
0: and were a lot the people that you were working with did a lot of them any of them make the break the movies or
1: not many? A lot of them were straight actors. A lot of them had come from the theatre. So there weren't there weren't many of us that were stand-ups mm. in that in that space there were a few of us but it was I think when I started I was one of only two or three on the show that came from a stand-up background um and so a lot of them were serious actors who 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 did a lot of live theater and stayed in television comedy but not many Sort of made the jump over to, to to films
0: and but do you like being funny? I mean, when was the last time you were funny on purpose?
1: Uh, so funny people, a little bit special correspondence. I was more kind of foil for Ricky. Um, I really enjoy it. I just don't get a lot of opportunity. That's interesting, you know? huh? And I, it doesn't really it doesn't really bother me for some reason. Um, I've always had a lot of people say, "How is it you've never done Saturday Night Live?" and "Why don't you do stand up?" and "Why don't you do more?" comedies in America and 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 I think because I did so much of it back in the day it's it's kind of like I'm okay with it like I don't I don't feel like I have to prove it to anybody.
0: Well I think those first two movies I mean the the castle is sort of a mythic you know, great movie, which that I unfortunately haven't seen, but I've heard people talk about it, and I didn't really realize it until this morning that 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 you were in it, and I would have watched it because I know it's on my list to watch. But I hear so many people talk about that thing. That's a comedy, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a really beautiful, gentle comedy. It's it's a really great script, very original. Um, yeah, I highly recommend. And that it. was your first film? That was my first film. Yeah, yeah. Tiny role, but yeah.
0: But like like Chopper, I mean that guy as menacing and as bizarre as he was, he's sort of a funny character. I mean that like that character is broad and weird and hilarious and scary and almost like a clown sometimes. It's a very uh, unique uh, uh, combination of,
1: of stuff that guy is. Absolutely. He was hilarious. He had, <laughs> you know, he 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 had the ability to 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 understand a person quicker than anyone I've I've met to this day. What was he the name of the that guy? Most Mark Brandon Reed. And he was he's alive still or no? No, he he passed away a few years ago. Um, but no, he was hilarious. Was he a a
0: criminal that later became just sort of this, you know, uh, infamous you know person about town? What was his whole story the arc of that whole thing
1: yeah so he was quite quite a violent criminal who then who then wrote a series of of letters from jail to 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 a journalist which then formed a a book and he just had a natural turn of phrase he had a very funny way of expressing himself that and it was just enigmatic whether you liked him or not whether you loved him or hate him you you couldn't stop listening to the guy yeah he just had the ability that if he was in a room that's where the attention was going it was going to, to him he yeah. was sucking all the energy there was no one else in that room but him that's yeah. that's the, that was the power that he had
0: so he but uh, yeah a charming sociopath
1: absolutely
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> but when, but when he got out of jail he was sort of uh, um, uh, this strange man about town right or what
1: well what was interesting was that after the film came out like you know Obviously, I don't want to speak for him. It, it seemed to kind of legitimise him to a degree. Yeah. He 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 remained straight. He he remained on the straight and narrow right all, all the way through the, the, his his last sort of ten or fifteen or twenty years. So um, he had he had rehabilitated to 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 a large extent. Uh-huh. Um,
0: Did you remain friends?
1: No, I'm I'm not one of these actors that um, feels like it's kind of, uh, my duty or kind of the thing to do to, I don't know. I almost feel like it's more respectful to not pretend that, that, that we're, we're of the same, same world. I think Mark and I had this understanding.
0: It's better off. I mean, you know, there's a, you know, I mean, cause how is that not going to be the, the most codependent relationship you're like, <laughs> you don't want to be, you know, that you, you might not want those guys calling you every week.
1: Hey, what's up? Do me. <laughs> Where are you filming next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm You're coming like, down. Can I get it, <laughs> you
0: <Yeah>, Exactly.
1: <laughs> uh, no, I I, 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 got to know him a bit before we started filming, and um, and then it 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 just felt better to have have some distance.
0: So, what's the difference in your mind between you know doing an impression and portraying somebody? You know, is there a different? drive for you? Or is it kind of the same thing? I mean, you spent time with him in order to understand him and then you sort of take ownership and interface your emotions with, you know, your sense of that guy. Is there a difference between acting and doing an impression?
1: I I think there is. I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's kind of like a difference between a a pencil sketch and a painting really. Like I could do a quick sketch and a pencil and go, who's that? And you'd know who it was. And then I could go into a big painting, and that would be a different thing. So, um, I think the time that you're afforded in long form storytelling obviously means that you're you're going to a different level. At the very core, though, yeah, there's not a there's not a there's not a ton of difference. It's just what are you what are you elicit, eliciting from from that? So, are you inhabiting that person to get a laugh? Or are you inhabiting that person to try and tell a story and make you feel something?
0: So it's like you play it straight either way, but you know the context when you're doing comedy and when you're doing it for real, I, you know, I can see how it it, it feels very different when you interact with other actors or performers in those two different scenarios.
1: Most definitely. Yeah. And I, I, I enjoy the, the storytelling side of it, you know, because I really respect it, you know, coming from stand up. It's like well you you write your material and you've got a beginning and an end and you're yeah. trying to move from here to there and it takes discipline and if it's not working you got to be honest with yourself about it and and try and pick it apart and make it better or dump it. And and it feels that way when you when you're doing film as well. That you don't have as much control over the material, but you're you're still relying on your instinct to either make something better or express if it's not if it's not working. Um, and you have directors for that, yeah. And you and you and you hope that the relationship is such that you you can have a a good dialogue about it.
0: Was it did you have that with uh, like uh, Ridley Scott on Black Hawk Down?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was you know you're one of sort of 32 actors, but um, I, I had a really really good relationship with Ridley. Yeah, um, I really loved him as a director. It was so much fun. and It was hectic and insane and like nothing I've ever been a part of. Uh, again but it was the whole thing was immense
0: i thought that 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 redefined and contemporary uh you know modernized uh the depiction of war in movies i think that was the first you know truly modern war movie
1: yeah it was visually it was it was a bit of an assault i guess saving private ryan and black hawk down are similar in the way that they really just try to make you feel like you were in in right but
0: but just the nature of warfare was so much different in those two movies like saving private ryan is you know that's a world war ii movie like the the way that warfare works now and that the idea that you guys were there on a mission that couldn't even be publicized or acknowledged you know it it that's insane the operation itself was something you know that you just never saw before on screen
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and as a result, I think it's um, what made it both unsettling and really thrilling at the same time, you know, and it was kind of, it was kind of beautiful as well. It was um, it's an incredible movie visually. Now,
0: do you, when you work, cause I talk to people that do, you know, the, you learned on your feet and you got cast in these first few movies. I mean, were you sort of like wide open in terms of influence and you know what were you were learning on set and and in in terms of uh kind of uh expanding your own you know tools to do the thing like when you're on black hawk down are you picking up a lot of stuff from other actors or are you self-contained
1: um i I, I, a little bit self-contained but i guess you know you're 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 really really open i mean i'm really paying attention to the director and i love the camera so i'm paying a lot of attention to, to to what they're doing and how how I can help them and like yeah. where do I sit within the frame and that sort of thing. Um and I love I love the play of of working with other with other actors. I I, I try not to I try not to pay too much attention to their to their process because I'm sort of worrying about my own thing. But when I, when I when I'm acting with someone from the generation that I love, yeah. I pay I, I I probably pay more attention. So if I'm working with a Robert Duval or a Peter O'Toole, or a Nick Nolte, or a Sam Elliott, or you know some of these legendary people. Uh, have that, you worked with all of them? Yeah, I have. Where'd you yeah. work with Nick? Nick Nolte was in the original Hulk. He played he played uh, my father in in the Hulk, and 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 it was it was just insane. And he had the oxygen tank, and he, you know. <laughs> Take a hit of oxygen. Okay, I'm ready to go. You know, he said to me one day. He took a hit of the oxygen, and he and he said to me, "I don't really need this. It just makes them think you're (laughs) fucking crazy, and they pay attention." (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, "Is this all an act? Is this something else, man?" Right on. Let's go. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <You know. laughs> he's something else man and, oh,
0: shit. and Duvall that must have been crazy because you can't that guy is so oh. like
1: he's so subtle man he's my favorite so he's he growing up he was my favorite actor and so to get a chance he played my father in, in Lucky You which is the movie that you know hardly anyone saw Um, and he was just beautiful his work was incredible and I just loved loved watching him work Um, and, and, and just Picking his brain. I just love the man. He was just so, so interesting. And um, yeah, so so when I'm working with, with that generation of, of, of actor, it's like, it, it does feel different. It, it definitely does. I, I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for, People in my generation, but I'm I'm not in awe of anyone my age. You know what I mean? It's like it's a different thing when I'm working with with actors from that from that generation.
0: And you got the opportunity to do that. What what do you think it's because those are three very different actors, right? Nolte, Duval, and O'Toole. What'd you work with Peter O'Toole in?
1: Uh, so Peter O'Toole uh, was in Troy. Oh, he was played my father in Troy. Actually, they all played my dad. I just realized that now. Duval played my dad. Nolte played my dad. And O'Toole played my dad.
0: Um which is pretty cool. Cuz they're so different. Like you just did that impression of Nulty, but it would be hard to do an impression of Duval.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um it's it's it, I mean it's definitely doable. Um You know who does one? Uh James
0: Khan. I talked to James Khan. James Khan can do Duval. Oh really?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Cuz they still talk to each other all the time.
1: I I I loved how just in the moment he was and there were just a couple things that he that he that he did on set which made me go okay it's okay it's a little thing like we were doing a scene one day and there was someone standing behind in his eye line you know yeah and the way that he just immediately dealt with that person and and had them move and it's easy to just keep acting in that situation sure like the set is is not always a perfect thing yeah but it was just a reminder that it's just like hey if you need something to make your performance better, it's okay to tell someone to fucking move. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's okay. It's not the end of the world. Yeah, you know. You don't have to yell. You don't have to yell. <laughs> yeah. It was it was done. You know, hey, go, go. Yeah. You know, so it was just. It was almost like just still in the middle of the scene. I was like, yeah, yeah. That's okay. It's it's, it's okay to do that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. It just, Peter O'Toole was amazing. He was so invested. He, had, he just had so much energy poured into his performance at, at, at that age and he was he was quite old at that stage and it was difficult, man. It was like 100 degrees every day and he's in the robe and the jewels and the, you know I mean I just I was just in awe. He, absolutely. And, and he's a veteran of the epic film yeah you know, absolutely the sh- i mean yeah. you know, it's peter O'Toole, it's Lawrence of Arabia just, for god's sake it's Lawrence of Arabia you know a- absolutely i mean you do that yeah there's really special days they, they really are and on Hulk
0: you know i i mean i've talked to like i'm not a big um you know cartoon guy and i you know but i've been in i was uh, i did a small part in the last Joker movie which ruined my credibility as a guy who judges cartoon movies harshly but that that hulk the original hulk it's weird it's a divisive movie among <laughs> the 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 hulk yeah. fans and and it's not really uh, it was pre marvel universe so it it sort of mm. stands alone as this you know this uh, art film that was approached in a different way and i imagine that must have been one of the reasons you were like yeah i'm going to do this one
1: yeah, it wasn't a, it wasn't a quick yes, that's for sure. It w- it took me a while to get my head around it. Um, and, and you're right, in the end it was like it was Ang Lee, it was g- going to be completely different. I wasn't privy to the to the script prior to signing on. The film's one of the only films I've done where w- where that was the case. Why did it
0: take you a long time to decide? I mean, what was the what was the negotiation within you? It,
1: it just it just wasn't the type of film that I saw myself doing. Uh-huh. Why? Um and w- because I, essentially i just always felt like i was a character actor and that's what i was looking for right so
0: not a big green guy
1: yeah it was it was a <laughs> it, it wasn't it wasn't an immediate yes and then i just kind of like i guess maybe the ang factor and the fact that i knew it was going to be different uh, i decided to to have to have a go but it's you know it's why i haven't redabbled in that in that area as you as you you probably have we probably have similar feelings towards the 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 genre Uh and the kind of picture i'm i'm imagining um they're not the kind of movie that i i race out and see myself so that conversation is something i'm having with myself if i want to be a part of it because it's yeah it's not it's not it's it's not something i'm queuing up for
0: you and ed norton right hulk has been a troubling character for people (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but I mean, I imagine working with Ang Lee, how was he approaching it? I mean, like, if you're going in knowing like you like this is a superhero movie, but it wasn't though, given the timing of it, it wasn't as much of a spectacle as it is now. you did not you weren't up against no. this entire sort of it's not even a subculture, it's most of the culture,
1: yeah, no, it did. You're right. The, the 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 universe as we know it now didn't exist back then, and there, and you certainly didn't go to into a film like that thinking you were going to do more than one. No, like this notion that oh, really? actors, you know, had had were going to go and on a run and do two or three move. That just that wasn't in play. I mean, I think the first Spider Man had only just come out. I think we were the next one after after the Tobey Maguire Spider Man. So there were the expectations were not the the way they are now. So, um, I guess I just approached it as a, as a kind of one off, and and just kind of you know.
0: Were you approached to do another Hulk? No, I wasn't. Huh? Did you feel like? Well, did you do you feel attached to your Hulk as opposed to maybe Mark Ruffalo's Hulk or Ed Norton's? <laughs> did you go judge other people's Hulks?
1: I haven't seen them all, so I can't say. <laughs>
0: Have you seen? You haven't you haven't seen them
1: do one Hulk? Have you seen one other Hulk? I saw Ed's. I haven't seen Mark's.
0: <laughs> Have you
1: have you talked to Ed about your Hulks? I've never met Ed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With yeah, there's not a lot of Hulk intertwining here.
0: Oh, you would think that maybe when you guys are old, you can sort of, <laughs> you'll do a panel show together, the three Hulks, <laughs> and Mark will, Mark, you'll both, you all be uh, in your seventies, and Mark will <laughs> still be doing the Hulk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah he, he he he's the one that worked it out he he, he found his stride yeah, he's yeah.
0: he's in for life <laughs> so how many movies like because some of these movies like to be honest with you i it seems like they're australian movies you don't you you stay there you're, you're there most of the time right
1: i live here yeah yeah i never moved so um i haven't done a ton of the str- i mean i've done quite a few but i haven't done a ton i don't sort of feel this kind of major urge that it's like something I have to do every two or three years. It's just like, you know what, the pile is the pile and I just choose the best thing on the pile and sometimes it's Australian and sometimes it's not. So, um, you know, recently with with a movie like The Dry, which which was, you know, some sort of film that I'd been looking for for many, many years, um, came along and I was thrilled to be able to, to do that. But um, I don't have a hugely strong sense of uh australianness within my body of work i'm happy to happy to be very very open i love working here when i when i can do it but um it, it it has to fight it out with everything else
0: well i mean you you're born and raised there right yeah and your folks are they're not they were immigrants they were
1: immigrants yeah but did your dad have a croatian accent <laughs> here's a funny thing i didn't realize my dad had an accent until i moved out of home oh really <laughs> <laughs> my girlfriend at the time said no your dad has an accent i said my dad doesn't have an accent at all and then i moved out of home and suddenly i was able to do an impression of him yeah. that i couldn't do when i was living at home huh i didn't hear it wow until i moved out so he has a slight accent ah. mum not much just very very slight but they're, they're very australian yeah they're very australian
0: and like do you have croatian relatives german
1: relatives back in the, in those countries yeah. yeah but not not yeah we 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 do. I've actually got uh, a lot of the German side is actually in America. So so my grandmother's sister migrated to New York, and my grandmother came to Australia. So so I do have second cousins and extended family in the states.
0: Wild man.
1: Yeah, it's it's so Which it's, is cool. It's
0: interesting to to. To actually have a sort of global internet. I mean, everyone has that, but not not one generation away, you know.
1: Yeah, no, it it, it, it does feel cool. The Croatian side is much smaller. because dad was an only child, and uh, uh, so forth. What, so, what did
0: they? Uh, what did they? What did your folks do when you were growing up? Were they happy about the acting? Uh,
1: they were. My mum was a hairdresser, so I grew up in, the, in a hairdressing salon, mm. and my dad was a logistics manager for Caterpillar. He worked for Caterpillar for. For 47 years, tractors. One of the longest-serving, yeah, Australian employees ever. Wow! I think to this day he's a lo- he was when he retired. He's he worked for Caterpillar longer than anyone. So, um, yeah, grew up with dad working for the tractor company, and and mum, mum is a hairdresser. Did he did he get a prize? He got it. I think he got a he got a model D10. Okay. You know, I think I've got it in the garage. <laughs> you know, like a diecast D10. They were pretty sexy when they came out. The D10. I remember that as a kid. That was pretty exciting stuff. <laughs> seeing that tri, that triangular shape. Oh, did
0: you get to do a lot of? Uh, did you? Did you get to go ride on the new tractors when you were a kid?
1: No, he was he was an office guy. Uh, so so the, the factory where I where was down the end of the street where I grew up, and it was a it was a, a warehouse that uh, so you didn't see much actual tractor action. They were just being shipped off to the mines around Australia and so forth. Uh, but um, oh wow. Well. Yeah. So it was this had this kind of affinity with America when I was a kid as a result of, you know, uh, dad working for an American company. Yeah. Well,
0: I mean, you do. You're definitely your your filmography is is uh, varied. And I like that the new movie, The Dry. I I, I found it very uh, powerful. I mean, I I like I've seen quite a few Australian movies lately. I saw that new Sam Neill movie with the sheep. Um, Oh, yeah. Yeah. That thing was kind of moving, too. I like these small kind of because there's something about the landscape of Australia in certain areas where it's just like this sparse, you know, and these and and all the people that live in these towns are almost like, you know, strange barnacles of some kind that, you know, you're like, how do they even exist there? And I think the dry really captures that really well there's there's a certain quiet menace to the whole thing you know
1: yeah absolutely well jane harper who wrote the wrote the book she she captured that really well the landscape is a major character in the film and the that little country town it's what excited me so much about the film was that a lot of australian films depict the outback but they don't depict the real country towns that we from the city identify with. Uh-huh. Okay. In the in the same way that I guess as an American like do you identify with America as 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 the desert or do you identify with America as a series of a thousand towns you've been through through the course of your life? It's the thousand little towns that you've been through. Right. That's that's your middle America. That's the country I'm assuming. That's the country. Yeah. And it's the same for us. So the dry depicts that really, really accurately. Where, but we where is really that town? Hard.
0: Is that is that is that an outback town? I don't know what would would be called the outback.
1: Well, no, it's not the outback. So it's in the wheat belt. It's about four and a half hours away from where I am now. Uh-huh. So it's it's about four, four hours in towards the middle of nowhere, and it's a wheat belt, and it's um, it's very flat, and it's it's quite harsh and very very dry. And we filmed the film the beginning of two thousand nineteen at the peak of the drought. To, to, to help depict the way it was in the book. But but I guess the characters in the town are, are, are very, they, they feel very real. You know, we went, went to a lot of trouble with, with the casting of the film to make sure that everyone was really believable because – we didn't want it to be full of caricatures. Oh,
0: did you have a, a part in that? Were you a producer?
1: I was a producer as well, yeah. Oh, okay. But, uh, my director, Rob Connolly, his wife is our casting agent, Jay Norris, and casts all his films, so he calls it the competitive advantage, and she did an amazing job.
0: Yeah, because I thought the casting was amazing. I mean, it was. There were. It, it's one of those kind of movies where I, I don't see them often. It, it is sort of a, it's, it's obviously a whodunit kind of movie. Yeah, but you you know it's one of those movies like when those are done well you're like oh could have been that c- oh no I think it's that c- wait but what about this you know which is good but it was so uh, yeah you know menacing and it keeps getting darker and darker
1: yeah and that w- that was our challenge we wanted to make the most emotional version possible of of that kind of story and that's where we felt there was some room between the book and the adaptation to just kind of make it as emotional as it as it could be which which was what what we tried to tried to achieve and yeah and as you say e- every single person is a suspect in a small every town every single person in a small town um and i i just have to make mention here of Genevieve O'Reilly who plays Gretchen yeah. opposite me who's just phenomenal i mean just yeah she was just incredible to to work with
0: yeah it looked great same with that old horrible man is that guy even an actor
1: <laughs> they're all they're all actors we did have some locals play uh play extras and so forth like in some of the pub scenes but um no it was a yeah it was a beautiful cast
0: now are people going to the movies in australia is that happening
1: they are yeah so we we luckily opened on the 1st of january um right when cinemas were starting to get back into swing which is why the film one of the reasons why we were able to be such a huge hit, but yeah, we're 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 back at the cinemas uh, as of about the first of January. People started to go back um, in limited numbers, but we ended up at, at about seventy five percent. And um, yeah, some big some big crowds. Yeah, are you guys?
0: Are, are we anticipating? What do you think? You think the the rest of the world is going to uh, to follow? You think movies are going to bounce back? What's your What's your gut on this?
1: I think they're going to bounce back huge.
0: Yeah, huge.
1: Yeah. Because people yeah, are just going to be really so do. fucking excited. Yeah. It feels amazing to be back in the cinema, you know, and it's a, it's a different thing. And, and I do think there's a different different quality to movies that have been made to be seen on the big screen. Oh, yeah. Versus movies that have been made to go on a streaming service. I don't care what anyone says. I'll I'll have that fight is a difference.
0: I uh, know, absolutely. I am I'm, I'm going to I would like to go back to the movies. I'm going to do my first stand-up set in over a year tomorrow, and I'm fucking freaking out.
1: Wow, first stand-up in a year. Yeah. <sighs> Can I ask you so so when you're doing something like that, do you you uh, I'm assuming you just write all new material for that?
0: Well, I got nothing. I've got I've I've got nothing. You know, there's no way, you know, we've all had the same experience roughly for the last year, you know. It's like, you know, just taking a year off to be terrified. So I don't like I'm not sure where it's going to go, but that's usually how I start. I'll improvise through some ideas. I've got a little outline. I'm, I'm only going to do a 15 minute set, so we'll uh, we'll see how it feels. You know, I, I mean, sadly, the one thing I realized over the last year is like, you know, I don't miss it that much. I don't miss anything. I I might be ready to stop everything. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I did a couple movies during, or, or at least one movie during lockdown with the protocols, and it. I'd like to do more of that, but I'm curious to see because my last special I really think I did everything I set out to do stand-up wise and I don't feel compelled to uh, entertain people that way, but I I do feel like I have something to say. So we'll see if that reveals
1: itself, you know. So, how do you how do you balance the expectation of what you're supposed to be doing versus what you what you want to do? Well, I
0: mean, so much of I don't know what drives you, but it, it The one thing I noticed about not doing anything in lockdown was it was, there was something okay about it because no one else was. So, Mm. in terms of expectations, as soon as the world starts coming back and you start seeing other people working, you're like, oh, what what are they doing? Like, I knew I didn't want to do outdoor shows, but now, like, people are starting to tour. I'm like, fuck, I got to get out there. Like, I don't even. So (laughs) the FOMO is kicking in again, right? It's, but it's like a weird competitive thing, but like what I really want to do on stage, I have to see what that feels like, you know, because a lot of things have gone down over the last year. And, and again, I felt pretty satisfied with the work I did in my last hour special. And I'd like to take it someplace new. So I got to see if I have it in me or I have the courage to explore things in a different way. I certainly don't give as much of a fuck as I used to. So, so we'll see where you know whether i have the courage to do that stuff you know that makes sense
1: i know i know that yeah it does i know what you're saying about uh the like during the lockdown one of the things that i loved was was um not having to answer a question about you know where you're going to next or yeah what what got any movies got any movies yeah no no one's got any exactly no one i don't no one does and then you okay? hear the, so i don't feel guilty right and then you hear the, I don't feel the one
0: set that's working there's one movie in production you're like what the fuck is happening are we doing it again with is, is yeah I, yeah it's i mean i did one i wasn't going to do any and this guy just kept wanting me to do it and it was the middle of peak COVID, and i was like what are you fucking nuts but he, he was like you're the guy and it was a big part it was the biggest part i could ever do and i'm like Somehow or another, I was convinced by other people that it would be safer to be on a movie set than it would to be go to the to go to the grocery store. <laughs> and I believe them. I'm like, right. because there's all these protocols in place. did you get shut down at all, or did you get did you get through the whole thing? No, we made it through. Dude, this guy shot a feature on film in nineteen days. Wow, on film nineteen days. Crazy. You better make those takes count. <laughs> you get you don't get yeah, it was crazy, but. But I was happy I did that. But uh, yeah, I mean, but now I can feel it all coming back. And I don't know, man. I mean, I'm old. How old are you? I'm not old. I'm 57. How long are we supposed to work, Eric? I mean, I do. <laughs> do we-
1: I'm 52. I'm 52. Um, I don't know how many more films I got in me. I don't know. You got a lot. I mean- Some days. Yes, yeah, so, so, sometimes I've, I've, I feel like it's, it'll be a real. I, look, I always. One of the re- reasons I looked up to Deval was his longevity. I, I love the I love the um, trajectory of his career and the fact that it, it wasn't. It's just like boom. It's just like this this fighter jet at a high altitude, just maintaining. You know, not it's not a rocket ship. It's just like also you know?
0: character actor. I mean, like it's an interesting choice for you because you're a good looking guy. You're a big dude. You can carry a movie, but you know you choose to focus more on uh, being a character actor as, as opposed to having the weight I would imagine, or the expectation of, uh, you know, being a movie star.
1: Yeah. I've never, I've, I've, I've never felt like the movie star thing is, is, is is a thing that I want to dabble with. I mean, it's, 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 it'll find you at time, at times. It'll move through you because of the kind of role you're playing or whatever. But I think it's a really dangerous territory. And I think it's really boring territory as well. It's really limiting.
0: Why? Because you're expected to act you're, to, to stay in your wheelhouse.
1: Yeah, I think those actors end up, uh, yeah, end up in a wheelhouse. They they can't move around as much. They can't do different things. The minute you stop doing different things, you stop being offered different things. Yeah,
0: McCondy, he had to quit. He literally had to decide not to take the movies that were making him millions of dollars. He had to consciously say, I'm not doing any more romantic comedies.
1: And he didn't work for a while. Yeah, good on him. Yeah, I understand that. I I do. And I I think it's really smart to be cognizant of that. And I think it's too easy, especially for American actors. I think it's easier to be lured into that. Into that um, pattern because because you live there and it's just it's just easy
0: and also like Billy Crudup I talked to that guy too he he could have been a movie star but he was like I don't I don't want to do that the, the real work is doing these different guys you have these different characters you know and that's
1: why I mean you do that too yeah the biggest danger with the movie star thing is that is that what does that now mean that you, you're going to knock back a more interesting role that's not the lead. Right, because it's not the lead. Right, that seems ridiculous to me. Right, that just seems like crazy talk.
0: Yeah, but like this this movie, The Dry. I mean, you're the lead, but that guy's a deep character. You don't know what's up, and you got that interesting, you know, backstory where you know he's a he's he seems initially a compromised guy.
1: Yeah, you're right. So he's a, he's a character that finds himself at the at the head of the story. Yeah you know and in that in that instance i i that that's something i can always get my head around but just being a kind of folly just being a kind of vehicle for for a story if my first thing is when i read a script if i can picture 30 other actors playing the role i pass
0: right <laughs>
1: now <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> there's always 30 other people that can do it i know that but the most but that's not what's relevant i have to, my ego has to believe that I'm one of the only people that can right, do it right. or that should do or,
0: or what's worse is like you got to ask your agent, like, who turned this down? <laughs> 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 where, where, where am I in line on this one?
1: Yeah. Who are they going to if I say no? Yeah. 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 It is always interesting when you say no and you, you, you wait for the film to come out to see who ended up playing that part or um, – Yeah. Yeah.
0: And do you ever like a lot of times you're sort of like well that makes sense because when you can see thirty other guys doing it there's also that party it's like you don't need me like I do a
1: thing but this doesn't require that go give it to one of those guys absolutely a- absolutely yeah I do a- and and quite often what you're saying no to is something that you know is going to work mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like I'm only saying yes to something that I think going to be a- be amazing and work it's like. I'll, I'll say yes to stuff that I I I know is going to be a struggle commercially. It doesn't bother me. Like, and I'll say no to stuff that I know is going to be huge. Right? You know, like you have to do that. It doesn't. Does you, you're not. you I'm not an accountant.
0: Yeah, that's your brother. You know,
1: that's my brother. <laughs> He's the numbers guy. You know, <laughs> it's it's not my job. Yeah. You know, so um, you just have to you have to feel free. It's um. Easier said than done, but it's really important. Right.
0: But it's also great to be excited about the thing, you know, to, to rise to the occasion, to take the challenge. Like, you know, you've always seemed to be open to doing accents to really you know, immersing yourself in characters, whether they're real people or not. I found that when I did this last movie, I was required to do an accent or with the character called for, but I wasn't sure I could and the director didn't care. But I but I actually, given that I'm just starting out as an actor in a lot of ways, I'm like, well, if I'm not gonna challenge myself the fuck am i doing you know and then i watched some old james conn movie you know where he like a real old one where he had an accent but he he kind of half held it and half didn't and then after i talked to him i realized like it's not about that if you pay that close of attention to people doing accents especially movie stars they're always going to go in and out it's about you know whether you're in it or not are you in the character yeah yeah so yeah, so that kind of gave me weird confidence. It gave me confidence. It's like, if I'm doing as good a job as I should, people aren't going to care about the accent. If they're coming out going like that accent sucked, then I fucked up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a good attitude. I think it's a good approach. But you but you,
0: yeah. yeah, it seems to me that you're going to get you're going to nail that accent no matter what. Well, we don't have a choice,
1: right? Uh, well, name, name the last Australian character you saw in international cinema. <laughs> It's fucking ridiculous, right? It's like we're everywhere, but we just don't appear in cinema. Yeah, get the Australian off the set, have them play someone else. Yeah, but let's not hear that accent anywhere. <laughs> it's so weird. It's so weird. The British get away with it. British get to play British. Australians never get to play Australian. Well, are you? Never. It sounds like you're upset so,
0: about it. Maybe you ought to find yourself in Australia. I, I,
1: what you- <laughs> I'm a bit pissed about it, make no mistake. I, I, I've I've tried to raise this as much as possible because because it's like there there has to be Australians in, in stories. Was well, the last Australian you played Chopper? Uh no, well the dry, obviously, but in funny in funny people, I, I convinced Judd to allow me to be Australian. Oh. It's the only time I got to get away with it. And my argument my argument was he will be funnier. For being Australian, I will make him more interesting. I promise you, if you let me play him as Australian. Yeah, I remember that was my pitch. And um, and it was. It was. It was. He was definitely better for being Australian. He was more of a maniac because he was Australian. You should have asked if you could do the Hulk as Australian. And it was funny because the last time I did an Australian film was a film called *Romulus, My Father*, and I was playing a Hungarian migrant, so I had an accent. It was like they won't let you do it. Just be Australian. It's a conspiracy. You gotta do the Australian stories to do the Australians. And people ask me why I live in Australia. So, so I can be Australian. <laughs> you love it. You love being Australian? <laughs> I love being Australian. I love it here. Yeah. I do. I really do. Good. Yeah.
0: And you're like in, how, how old are your kids? My kids are
1: twenty one and nineteen. Oh my god. They're old kids. Yeah. Are they all yeah. they're still there? Yep. Yeah. They're still still living at home. They're both studying. So um yeah. yeah, they're still here. They're, 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 they are both big fans of overseas. They've spent a lot of time overseas. I hope to God they don't end up moving overseas, but I can see that in my future.
0: Oof, um, that's going to be rough, huh?
1: Yeah, they they love it overseas.
0: Um, well, you'll work it out. You'll see. It's great talking to you, man. Uh, good work on this uh, new film, too. I hope it does well over here.
1: Thanks so much Mark it was uh you know really wonderful to to meet you and um I'm sorry about the last laugh. Oh yeah and I, uh, I, I, please let please let me know if you come down here again please. I do I I, I, will, I, I, will, I will make amends.
0: Oh great yeah I'll de- I'll definitely tell you when I'm coming out. I I have gone there for shows since then. I've done Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane which was not great but I did it. Uh <laughs> but <laughs> Sydney and Melbourne. In Melbourne, I did some weird theater. I think it was by water and it seemed to stand alone
1: and it was very old and, and damp. Oh, the Palais. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down at St. Kilda, yeah. ne- next to Luna Park, yeah. next to the theme park. I think so, yeah. The Palais. Palais Theater. That sounds right. Does
0: it feel haunted and damp?
1: Uh, I think it's been redone since then. Oh, good. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it was quite decrepit for a while, but it's 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 had a bit of love recently. Oh, good. But yeah, that might be maybe the Palais film. All right. Well, yeah. I'll let you know when I'm down there, man. Please do. All right. Take it easy. Cheers, Mark. Thanks, mate.
0: That's it, people. The Dry opens in U.S. theaters and on video on demand this Friday, May 21st. It's a good film. He's great in it. It's dark. And, uh one of those mystery, small town mystery murders with a little added layer of darkness. Okay, now I will riff on a little bit of Molina for uh, for the memory of Lynn Shelton. Uh. cat angels everywhere i miss you lynn